0: This is a conversation with Dr. Jonathan Marcus as part of COHDA, the KYHS 2021 Coronavirus Oral History Digital Archive Project. The interviewer is Yosef Marcus, and the date is May 11th, 2021. Dr. Marcus, may we please have your permission to share and include your remarks as part of the COHDA project? Yes. Thank you. When was the first time you heard of coronavirus? Did you think it was serious when you first heard about it?
1: Probably the end of December. Uh, There had been a scare about a year and a half or two years before that about the uh, SARS virus in uh, Southeast Asia, and this was SARS too, so I didn't really think anything of it. I heard that there were so many cases, and I remember about January time there were some cases that were reported in Seattle, a few in New York, but I didn't really think anything of it. Hmm.
0: Did what what changed as a result of it? Did you after it hit? Did what what changed in terms of your workplace? You
1: mean after it hit? Yeah. Well, the uh, before Corona hit, we were uh, running a very large ICU mostly medical, surgical, and cardiovascular cases. People that get sick, trauma, and uh, the unit, uh, we had a lot of, we, had a, we were fully staffed, and uh, family members could come, doctors would come in and out of the hospital, sort of a very free environment. You know, are very people, but it was very free. It was very, very, you can move around, it wasn't sort of locked down. Once corona hit, uh, the hospital was locked down, uh, only uh, very few doctors were allowed in the hospital. And uh, the nurses were, you know, we just got, you just had to many, many cases, and everybody had to be in isolation, and everybody had to be in special suits, and no visitors were allowed, <clears throat> and they were screened before you came to the hospital, and it uh, <laughs> was very busy, very busy. Everything changed. I think the, the biggest thing that changed was. Uh, sort of the freedom and flexibility you know when you, when you go through something like corona you don't you, don't, you know you don't, you don't know you don't know what you know changes the way you think about it with really, life and, you know, so.
0: do you know what happened to those um, doctors and nurses who were not allowed in the ICU anymore because
1: yeah, just the ones necessary, the essential ones, and at some point all the cases were shut out of the hospital, except for Corona, and was, there, were, there were floors that were empty and floors that were full. Uh, most of the doctors, the, uh, we lost a lot of doctors, they quit, they were tired, it too much pressure I guess. We lost a lot of nurses that uh, also got burned out from Corona. They were dealing with very, very sick people. The amount of work that had to be done was unbelievable. I tried really hard to scare everybody's life, so. Um, now, I mean, the, the specialists stayed at home. <laughs> Basically stayed at home and probably had their own opinions about what was going on, but the critical care team was uh, physically in the hospital the whole time. We didn't have, it uh, wasn't a question about opinion, it was a question about what we actually were seeing at the at the bedside and just the the gravity of the experience, Use used the word uh, velocity of cases. It's just, they happened so fast. It's unbelievable. It spread so fast. Healthy people that were in the hospital got sick. And people who were just coming in. We didn't have enough rooms, enough beds, enough equipment. So. Maybe the docs didn't, uh... we lost a lot of docs. But, uh...
0: Do you think that after everyone gets the vaccine, do you think these doctors are going to try and get their jobs back, try and come back into work?
1: Yeah, at some point. We already saw that a lot of the doctors came back. Critical care doctors, I don't know, not as much maybe, but uh, you know, now that the vaccine is there, we're trying to open up. It's very hard. It's a hard transition because you see, uh, it's hard to to listen to people that uh, don't feel like anything happened you know, people that don't want to get vaccinated, people that think it's some kind of conspiracy. It's very hard to talk to people like that. It's very hard, it's actually hard to see people not wearing masks, it's hard to see it, but you know, you know, we gotta get back to normal and uh, they're, they're immune or they at least have uh, some degree
0: of immunity for
1: it. So well, we, gotta, we gotta move on. You know?
0: um, recently, airlines have an opening back up. Um, do you think even after most people are vaccinated, do you think the world will ever be normal again?
1: Uh, I think we'll always have remnants from it. I think uh, people that come to the hospital will have to wear masks. I think nurses will be wearing masks in the hospital, certainly. I mean, will people be able to fly without wearing masks? Possibly, but... Uh, it all depends on how many people get vaccinated, how many people don't get vaccinated. You wouldn't want to give... You know, a lot of people don't realize this. One of the reasons why people get vaccinated is because they, they shouldn't want to give it to somebody else. That's the whole idea. You attenuate the, the virus because even if I were to have it right now, it's a much weaker form. I'm not going to give it to you. If somebody's not vaccinated and they go on a plane, they could they die from it. So. I think that uh, I think things will go back to somewhat normal, but I think uh, we have to figure out as a, as a country how we want to work with this, whether or not we want to have special kinds of passports, a special kind of documentation, and we have to be honest with one another. We have to start caring about one another. You know? One of the fastest spreaders of the illness was, uh, children. You know, was children. They didn't get symptoms, there was asymptomatic carriers. Some I mean, of them were super spreaders. Uh, it's not the kids. Why would you get a kid vaccinated if they're not likely to die because it's about other people? You know, they came up with a pneumococcal vaccine. Right? All the kids get it. Another reason why we, got, we get the vaccine is not because we were afraid that you're going to have a ear infection from pneumococcus or pneumonia from pneumococcus or pharyngitis, or pneumococcal pharyngitis, preptococcal pharyngitis. That's not the reason. The reason why kids are vaccinated is because by vaccinating the kids, you're more likely to reduce the illness in adults. That's the reason why kids get vaccinated. So I think as a society, the question about our liberties and our freedom all depends on what we're, what we're able to accomplish actually thinking about other people.
0: You know? do, you feel, do you feel this whole pandemic, do you feel that it's like affected humanity and societies in a positive or negative way overall? I mean, I think,
1: uh, I think Corona <clears throat> at the beginning uh, I think, to some extent, I think we were all, there was a feeling like everybody is on the same page. People support you. You go to work, signs, we support you, COVID heroes, and I think um, when the elections started getting closer, I think it became politicized, the whole thing became politicized. Uh, the, the people that opposed the uh, President Trump, telling people I wouldn't trust. The vaccine, and later they became big proponents. So it's unfortunate that it did become politicized, but uh, I think uh, yeah, it's really unfortunate. I think it could have been a lot better. I, I think it could have been the shining. I think the shining example of uh, of how uh, people dealt with it wasn't from the government, wasn't from our leaders, it was from the people themselves. I think. Uh,
0: Um, speaking about the government and politics, how do, you think, how do you feel about their way of handling it? Would, is there anything you would have changed? Anything you would have done different? Do you agree with everything they did?
1: Well, when 9 11 hit, there was a Republican president. And I remember how incredible it was that everybody in the country came together. Everybody came together. I mean, you had all of Congress standing up saluting the flag, supporting the troops. That was incredible. So one of the greatest uh, moments in, uh, the, one of the greatest moments of uh, of being American because you realize that no matter what our differences were, that we were all going to come together for a common good and that we were going to defend our way of living now. I uh, I think that this is a, this one, unfortunately, was politicized very early. And, uh... I think it made us made people realize that uh, the answer to, uh, to us, just to uh, to living in a better America, is just not going to come from our leaders. It can't depend on them. They're, my opinion, they're only out for themselves. No matter who they are, they'll tell you anything to make you believe anything. They'll even rewrite history books, make up stuff, and, uh, just just for the sake of political. That's that's political opinion. I, what I see on the ground is. Uh, you know that the greatest good came from people we had people from the community that were bringing us food every day we had uh cards from kids that were sending my hero in the hospital we had people that were donating somebody pulled up and he gave ten thousand masks because we didn't have masks bro water so much water just to give us something to drink we didn't have time to drink it you have to understand the suits that we were so freaking hot on the inside you're sweating, and you're fogged in the inside. It's a whole suit. And you have to intubate people, and you have to do all these sensitive procedures, and uh, non-stop. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, how much stuff was going on, but that, that came from people. That came from good people that really get it, really appreciate it, so.
0: Mm. So there's been, obviously, like you said, many instances of the people coming together, and coming to help and support you was, what was one moment, one event that really stuck out to you? Um,
1: I don't know, and there was one time that I came home and uh, you guys had put the hero things in front of the house and the neighbors came out. There was one time I pulled up in front of the hospital and I was walking in, and there was maybe 40 policemen, and they all started clapping. They weren't allowed in the hospital, but they knew that I was going and risking my life to save other people's lives. I know that uh, that was really, uh, really meaningful. I know that uh, there was a father of somebody in the hospital who was in New York, and we were running out of supplies, and he figured out a way, had to U-Haul a whole bunch of supplies down to us. Free. We were so happy to get that stuff. It was unreal. We were out of everything, and then we had it. Um, yeah, I got a couple of phone calls from. Elon Musk. He uh, called and uh, just to see how I was doing. That was pretty, uh,
0: pretty great. It's amazing. Um, So, I know that you are Jewish, how has um, being in the hospital through this pandemic, all this stuff, how has religion affected um, this experience?
1: Oh, religion is a a tremendous foundation, no question. It's a a pillar of support during this time. I mean, my uh, prayers became more intense you realize you're you're sitting in a room and you have the angel of death right in front of you, and it's picking off people. It's picking off young people. Literally, talking to you one minute, dead the next minute. And you realize that if the angel of uh, death is such a real thing, and the, the angel of the, the merciful God is there as well, I think it strengthened it. I think I had m- more time to realize the important values of life. I think uh, even right now, I carry with me a sense that. You know god is with me with whatever i do i'm a survivor because of him i was successful that's as successful as anybody could be because of him uh, my learning has gotten better my dominating has gotten better um, yeah i still have things i need to work out <laughs> i think i have some emotional things i need to work out it's just uh i just i just not i might yet uh, to talk about some of the things I had to see. But, uh, you know,
0: I'll get there Mm -hmm. as good as I can get now. What are some key lessons, important lessons, that you took away from this life-changing experience? Some lessons that you learned along the way?
1: I learned about the importance of... uh, I learned that you know I save I save lives for a living I try to save lives for a living. I give everything to saving people's lives That's what I do every day every single day, literally every single day, every single day I can I don't have any days that don't save somebody's life, which is incredible but um, things to learn I think that the pandemic hit hard and I, I can't tell you that it would have made a difference, but I can tell you that I've seen incredible heroes and I've realized. Goodness in so many people who, I, I, who may not agree with wearing masks, may not agree with vaccinations, but do it to save other people. And at the same time, I've uh, learned how uh, self-centered people can be. They can really only care about themselves, their own personal freedoms. You know, I think it's incredible when people help protect other people's freedoms, when people value life, and uh, that's an incredible thing. We had an incredible opportunity, and the opportunity was taken in many cases. But uh, to, to become superhuman and uh, to redefine what it means to be an incredible member of society. But I think at the same time, it's seen pretty, pretty messed up stuff. The things that I've learned is. Uh, got to be the best person you can be We're over here for a very short time. I don't know why I was, I, I got my test today. I found that I was never infected with COVID. I can tell you I walked into rooms without masks. I made that decision, but I, I, I can tell you that for sure. So I got this test I got today and found that I never, never had COVID. And it's a miracle in my eyes. So I think, uh, yeah.
0: Mm. You're um, the
1: best person you can be, because you don't know it when it's your time for
0: sure. Yeah. Um, do you think that this virus has had an impact on your mental health?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, yeah, you know, as a critical care doc, you have to see pretty crazy stuff. There's no question. <laughs> uh, you got to see uh, things that other people should never should have to see, but. Um, I think it's the hardest part is getting back to normal, because you're, the adrenaline, I mean, that whole experience, every day, day in and day out for a year, it's hard to say, okay, back to normal, and you're just a regular Joe. You know, people forget about all the things that you've been through. They forget. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not that I care about whether or not they remember what I did, but... Like, they talk about what happened and as if it never happened. There's it, it, a lot of things bothering me, you know? um, I have
0: to figure it out. Yeah. Can you walk us through your daily, average daily um, schedule when you wake up? Now do do? or then? Um, in the middle. Different.
1: I get up at six o'clock in the morning. I dive in around six thirty. I go to hospital around. I go to the hospital around. Uh, I go to the hospital around, uh, uh, around uh, six forty-five. Get to the hospital at seven. I get signed up for the night <clears throat> team. I see over patients between seven and eight thirty. Around between eight thirty and nine thirty. Nine thirty I write notes. I admit patients throughout the day, do procedures, discharge patients, talk to family members, talk to other consultants, read studies, tests, quarter tests, do more procedures, admit more people, round through the unit, make sure everything's getting done, talk to the nurses, talk to the ER, talk to the OR, talk to the, all the other different units. <clears throat> and then eventually I come home, <clears throat> come on around 6.45, 7 o'clock, I get home, I have dinner, and I, uh, Usually during the day, usually during the day, around 12.30, I do the dafiomi until about 1.30, that I do every day, and if it's not that that is next hour over, but anyhow, I get home, I eat dinner, I try to work on my garden a little bit, and then uh, at some point I uh, take a shower, sometimes I do tell you medicine at night, and uh, if it's that you tell you medicine at night, I'm up the whole night, then I'm on the next day. During COVID? I mean, you'd get to the hospital, you'd, you'd get signed out, and then you'd get sued up and you'd go in the unit and you'd, you'd, uh, you'd be in the unit for a couple of hours and then you'd, you'd have to leave the unit, get on, off all the of stuff, antiseptic all over your body, and then I'd have to find an, an empty computer somewhere quiet in the hospital to write my notes and stuff, which is quieter.
0: Um, you mentioned telemedicine. Um, when did you begin that and how is it different from in-person?
1: Oh, it's great. I I began it uh, maybe two months ago, three months ago, because you don't, you're not exposed directly to the patient. You can see the patient, you can see people in the room, but you're not physically in the room, so it's a little bit of a barrier and uh, you're dealing with critically ill patients anywhere in the country, so that's pretty
0: cool. That's very cool. Do you prefer that or in-person?
1: Uh, I prefer a person Why? because it's, there's something to be said about touching somebody's body, feeling their pulse, um, looking at them, really interacting with them. It's much harder to do things in person than telemedicine for sure, but it's, uh, it's something you're taught about touching somebody and talking to them and being there for them. Telemedicine is an interface, a televideo interface, so you have it's like one step removed. So... You're, it's much easier to do it because you don't hear code blue and whatever overhead, but you're doing it through a television, so you have to, it's a different kind of interaction. I like seeing people and talking to people and looking in their eyes. And, you, know.
0: um, you mentioned earlier that you were, had a long day and you're away from your house a lot. Um, what effects do you think this pandemic has had on your family life?
1: I, uh I've been, uh, it's one of the things I have to work with. I've been pretty uh, pretty depressed about the past year because I've been gone for so long. And, uh, I, my kids grew up, my kids had a whole experience, and I had no limited exposure to it. But I missed that in a lot of things. Not that I would have had much more if I was home because everybody's locked down. But... Uh, Yeah, it's very depressing, it's very, very depressing. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I'm less connected to uh, family life because I don't think anybody really realizes what, what went on this time, and I don't know if strength trying to really talk about it, but uh, I feel like uh, sometimes some of my kids, they don't uh, they come doing their own thing. Something I have to something I have to figure out. So it's, uh, I'm just, uh just going to find the time to figure it out. It'll probably be too late when I figure it out, but I gotta figure it out. Just this was traumatic. It was really traumatic and there was no one that could really talk to my kids. Did a great job, he helped out, they did this you know, they made things for me and it was really amazing, but uh so this is traumatic. It's really traumatic what I saw. Real messed up. Hmm. Hmm. I'll be okay. I'm glad I was there. <clears throat> Definitely there. This like
0: this. If if there was another lockdown that started tomorrow, and it was like just like this one, what would you do differently? If there's one thing you would change.
1: I don't know. I probably would have been emotion, a little bit more emotionally disconnected Just get the job done. Uh, I might not have worked as much. Um, I would have had more time to just relax, clear my mind. I haven't slept in, in a year. I don't sleep now. I close my eyes, but I don't sleep now think I would have rested a little bit more. I think I would have paced myself. Can't save everybody. Just try to do the best you can. Now. Yeah.
0: Would you have changed your hours at uh, work? Would you have increased them? Would you have...
1: Oh. No. Oh. Yeah. I think uh, 12 hours in the COVID is a little bit much. I probably would have done like 10 hours or 8 hours. shift, the shorten the shifts so that it's a little bit easier. That would have been better. But uh, overall hours, I, I just, there aren't enough doctors, so someone's gotta do it. I'm not a, I'm not a radiologist, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a cardiologist, I'm an intensivist, this is what we do, it's what we're trained to do, so you gotta know about everything. I got to do more surgical cases in the last year than I ever done in my career because Nobody else could come in the hospital, so I learned great medicine, I learned a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool.
0: Hmm. Sounds interesting. Um, that'll be all the questions. Thank you so much you for again? joining You're us, Doctor Marcus. Thank
1: you, Father's Doctor Marcus.
0: Um, it's, uh, it's Any final words?
1: Care. Yeah. So critical care medicine is without a doubt the most comprehensive field of medicine and uh, it's pretty cool that we were the one doctor that was fighting against this because it's so few of us so it's pretty cool I feel uh,
0: honored to have served uh, the community so. again thank you so much it'll be all